June 6th, 1944, uh, D-Day. Uh, it, was, it was the day uh, that the Allies had been waiting for where finally uh, there was an Allied foothold in Western Europe. Uh, it was the long-awaited day of opening up another front in Europe. Um, and really, as soon as D-Day was deemed successful and there was a foothold on, on the beaches of France, uh, and Allied forces were streaming um, onto the coast. The victory, uh, according to planners and military strategy, the victory was secure. It was done as soon as the Allies had that foothold. Before then, when there was just one front and the Russians were fighting uh, valiantly, um, the outcome was still in doubt. Uh, but the moment the second front was opened in the West, the moment the Allies had that foothold uh, to open up a new theater of battle, um, Allied planners knew that the war was essentially over. And, and within a year, uh, Hitler had committed suicide and his forces um, had all surrendered. Um, D-Day was in some ways the moment of victory, but there were still almost a year's worth of, of just terrible fighting that had to happen and hundreds of thousands of casualties. Uh, and so while victory was assured, there was still a tremendous amount of work, amount of fighting and amount of casualties that had to be done before the final victory, before VE Day was secured. All, all conflict, um, all wars, all of it, we can, we can trace all the way back to the early chapters of Genesis. And, and Genesis 1 to 4 in particular are just so important for us as they build really a worldview for us. That is sort of a lens that we look through to process reality and truth, uh, to, to understand who God is, who we are, what the problem is, uh, and also what the hope and solution are. We look to, to those first chapters uh, of Genesis. We see in the first four chapters that we were created not as accidents, that we, we were intentional, that we are God's design, that we were called good and, and placed in, in a good creation, that we were um, created to, to know God and to experience the blessing of His presence, enjoying creation and intimacy with each other. And, and the Hebrew word to, to sum all of that up uh, is shalom, or, or the theme of Advent for this week, which is peace. Um, shalom, though, is, is more than just the absence of conflict. Uh, shalom, it, 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 the root comes from another Hebrew word, shalem, which means wholeness. Uh, shalom really is about right relationship, about wholeness in all of life. It's, it's a right relationship with God, which was established in the garden. It's a right relationship with ourselves, uh, a right relationship with each other in harmony, and also a right relationship with creation. It's that, that wholeness of our being that, that is what we were made for, what we were created for, that shalom. In Genesis 3, we see the problem and why we don't currently experience it anymore. Um, in Genesis 3, 1, we see the serpent who is the embodiment uh, of our enemy, of, of Satan. Um, he comes down and he tempts Adam and Eve. He says to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So, so first he places this doubt. Um, the strategy he has is, is to place doubt in God, in the promises. Did God really say? Did God really say? And to plant the seed of doubt. 
He then goes on as well to then twist the truth. He says, did, did God say that you can't eat of any tree in the garden? And that's not the rule at all. The rule was that you could eat of all the trees except for one. There was one tree, the knowledge of good and evil, that they weren't supposed to touch. They weren't supposed to eat it. He twisted and said, did God say you couldn't eat of any of these trees? And he begins to twist the truth. And then there's an outright lie where he says, surely you will not die, but you'll be like gods yourself. You will know good and evil, and you will be like God. And, and there's this outright lie. Uh, the lie, at, at essence, is that God is depriving you. God is withholding from you. Um, the temptation works, and, and Adam and Eve fall into sin. And, and when sin enters, that relationship is broken. The relationship with God is as rebellion comes in, and disobedience, and, and now man and God are separated. There's also the separation between each other. Uh, as God comes down and says, what did you do? Um, even Adam and Eve, they blame each other. Uh, they blame each other, and then they blame the serpent. And so there's this brokenness uh, of relationship between themselves. And, and, and as they, they feel exposed, and as they feel the shame and the guilt of what they've done, um, God has to provide coverings for, from an animal. And so now the relationship with creation is also broken, and, and there's the first uh, death recorded as a result of this sin in the garden. And so there's all of this brokenness. And, and, and then there are curses that, that are going to come as a result of the brokenness uh, and the rebellion. Um, but then there's a big but. But in, uh, in Genesis 3, uh, as God is working through the curses, there's, there's also this, this but of hope. Um, where Genesis 3.15, God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, that's the serpent, and between your offspring and her offspring. And then there's this one line, he shall bruise your head. That's a singular he. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Um, there is something going on there between, you know, sort of humanity and, and snakes. Um, but there's a deeper reality, what's known as a proto-evangelion, a first gospel, where there's this promise that, that's, that's tucked right in there into the curses at the very beginning that someday one of the seed of Adam and Eve, one of their offsprings, will crush the head of Satan, and in the process he will be bruised. And there's this thread all the way through the Old Testament, this thread of anticipation of God's anointed one, of God's chosen one, who will come and finally crush the head of the serpent, who will finally deal with sin and with death and the curse itself. And there's this, this expectation, this longing, this waiting for the one who would crush the head of the serpent. And, and it brings up this imagery we also see in Revelation, where, where, where the virgin is about to give birth, the woman is giving birth, and the dragon is ready to devour the child. And, and it's sort of this illustration, again, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, where it's the seed of the woman who would crush and bring defeat on the enemy. And on the cross, we see this prophecy is fulfilled. We see that Jesus finally deals with sin as the perfect representation of humanity, who is also God, free of sin and its effects, who takes the wages and the curse of sin upon himself as the perfect sacrifice, that he himself is bruised and beaten, but the head of Satan is crushed. 
And, and that is in some ways the beginning of the victory. The victory is, is now secured for us, that our sin has been dealt with in Jesus, that God no longer holds it over us, that we no longer uh, stand in the separation, that the, the way of shalom is once again open through Jesus. And he's also in his resurrection defeated death, the final enemy. And we simply await the time when he comes back where he has assured us that our sin is paid for, that we are forgiven and free, justified, redeemed, and adopted. All of those promises are there on the cross, and the promise is, well, that when he comes back, that the final enemy, death, will be done away with. There will be no more sickness, suffering, pain, or death. And so uh, it, it, it's in the cross that the victory, the final victory is secured, where we trust the, the ultimate peace which is coming, but, but we await the day of its consummation, of the final victory of Jesus when he returns. There's, there's work to be done in the process. Well, our victory is secure, it's not finished. And in some ways, as we look at Christmas from this, this larger meta-narrative perspective of, uh, of the, the long-awaited seed, of Adam and Eve who would crush the head, and we know that's coming on the cross when Jesus finally breaks in on that first Christmas. When Messiah comes and is born, it's the beginning of that process. The one who finally would fulfill this prophecy is here. And, and so Christmas in that manger uh, is kind of like the first boots on the ground on D-Day. The victory is coming. It is now assured. And so we live in this, this anticipation of the final victory. We know that it's sealed. We know that it's secured. We know that it's sealed. But there's still a lot of fighting to be done along the way. And God has, 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 is calling us into this great fight, into this mission of saving as many as we can from darkness as we await the day when uh, our final victory is here, when we see it for ourselves, when it is finished. And just as the Allies, you know, and my grandfather as well, the whole war that he was a part of that made such a huge impact in his life was all in that, that year after D-Day. Um, so too, our lives come in that space of time where we have a, a, a role to play. There, there's a fight that needs to be fought. There are casualties along the way, but we trust in peace, knowing that the victory, the final victory is secured because of the coming of the Messiah, the one who crushed the head of the serpent. We have peace in this work. And Jesus, let's pray. God, uh, thank you. The promise uh, has been realized. Thank you for, for the way that Scripture um, lays out this plan. Thank you for, um, for your hand that we can see writing this story. God, thank you for the victory that it is sealed and secured. Help us to play our part in it, not losing hope, but finding peace as we reconnect with you, as we establish that and we await the final peace. We just wait for you to come back when the final victory will, will arrive. We trust in it. We're thankful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hope you're having a great day. Um, yeah, we'll talk again soon.